Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and today we are continuing our series on the five points of Calvinism. Now, we've wrapped up all five points. We've gone through each of the five points. We even had an introductory episode talking about the history of Calvinism. But now we're going to take a couple episodes here and do a little something different. So today's guest is well known to our audience because it's me. Um, a couple, actually it was about a year ago, it was last summer, uh, I was interviewed on a different podcast about Calvinism. And these two guys uh, were gracious enough to let me use it on this podcast. And of course they were gracious enough because their grades depended upon it. Because they, these guys are two of my graduating seniors this year, Chandler Martin and Cameron Davila. So shout out to you guys and the, the Chancast. So uh, I'm going to leave you guys the link so you can watch you can watch all of these things on YouTube. And uh, these guys are are pretty smart guys and pretty wild. If you're into flips and acrobatics and whatnot, you'll want to check out uh, their YouTube page. And so I'm going to link to that. These guys uh, do have a great heart for the Lord. They have a great heart for evangelism. They have a heart for theology. And they took me for theology this year. And so um, I'm excited what God has for them in the future as a graduating this year and heading off to college and, and uh, Chandler heading off to college and Cameron heading off to, I believe it's the Air Force. And so we're proud of both of these guys. But uh, they asked me a few questions about Calvinism. And so I thought as we're doing this series, this would be a, a cool little thing, a little cool little uh, interview to share with you guys. So again, check out the Chamcast. I'm going to put that in our show notes in our recommended resources along with some of the other books I mentioned. Don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org, which I believe they mentioned anyway at the end of this. But um, check out the Jamcast and uh, check out this interview. So without any further ado, I give you the Jamcast podcast. Hey, did you hear how Chandler got his girlfriend? <laughs> how? He walked up to this woman and said, hey, you must be grace. Let's find you irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good one. Uh, irresistible grace. Yeah. Yeah. We're using that. Okay. That just happened. It's videotaping. Okay, so that, that just, just happened. happened. Yep. So okay. we were getting prepared, and then Mr. Thompson just saved us. So. Like they do every day. Yep. Okay. So let's get into it. <laughs> So, first up, 
history on John Calvin? Calvinism. So, is that me? Yes. Okay. I was, I was expecting some intro music or something. But it's all in our that'll, right that'll be after. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, a short history on John Calvin. Well, if we're talking about Calvinism, we actually start long before John Calvin. Uh, some would argue we start with the Apostle Paul. Um, but often we go back to a guy by the name of Augustine, an African bishop, um, back in the 4th century. And Augustine and his arguments with a guy by the name of Pelagius are really where uh, the foundational doctrines that we now know as Calvinism begin. So those debate between Augustine and Pelagius all about the issue of salvation. Um, do we need God's grace to be saved? Well, Pelagius said no. Calvin, uh, or excuse me, Augustine, of course, said yes. And that's really where we get this um, idea from. That's where John Calvin got many of his beliefs from. But we fast forward. If, if you look at the history of the church after the time of Augustine till about the 1500s, we have uh, what we call even in history the Dark Ages. You might remember that. The Middle Ages. As your history teacher, you might remember me talking about that yes. at some point. Yes, right? I remember well. Okay, good. Um, and during that time, the Catholic Church uh, really begins to go downhill. The Catholic Church at that point was the only church, Catholic meaning universal, was the church, the only church that existed throughout the world uh, that preached uh, from the Bible. But the problem is, many heresies began to creep into the church because uh, the church was the only place where you could read the Bible. Most people couldn't read to begin with, but if you could read, books back then were very expensive. And so most people grew up never actually having read a Bible for themselves. And so if the church is the only institution that has the Bible, you can imagine, uh, there's room for corruption. You just have to take the priest's word for it that what he's saying is true. Well, unfortunately, we have a pretty bad situation that eventually erupts in what we call the Protestant Reformation. You might remember that. that yes, right. yes. I always check uh, what, what's, right what's the date we look at? October, October 31st. 1517. Wow. I failed yeah. as a teacher. October, what happened on that day? Uh, Martin Luther nailed the night. Martin, Martin yes. The okay. So, and that erupts at the same time, Gutenberg, uh, actually a little after Gutenberg, and the printing press. And so, uh, because of the printing press, Luther's works go across the world. We also have, for the first time, people actually being able to read the Bible for themselves. In fact, one of the things that Luther does is translates the Bible into German, and thanks to the printing press, people can get copies of this Bible for themselves. And so people are rediscovering what the Bible actually said. They call it the Reformation. And so Luther actually uh, was a student of Augustine, not directly because Augustine had been dead for hundreds of years, but began to study the works of Augustine. So a lot of his works uh, are what a later guy, but John Calvin is going to be. So Calvin and Luther never actually met, though they were both, we call them Protestant reformers. Um, Calvin was born in 1509, just a couple of years before 1517. So he and... <laughs> Your camera just kind of flopped things. That's still so preoccupied that. We'll fix it. So as I was saying, so Calvin was uh, around the same time as Luther, though they never met, though um, Calvin would be somewhat influenced by the works of Luther. 
So Calvin grew up as a Catholic, Roman Catholic, and became a, a priest in the church until he began reading some of the works of the reformers that were popular that day, Luther being one of them. And so that's where Calvin really begins to formulate his views, off the works of Luther, off the works of Augustine. And so he begins to write his famous book, Institutes of the Christian Religion. Now this is volume one of four volumes set, but I didn't feel like lugging around four volumes. So at the age of 27, Calvin begins his Institutes, and he will revise them and add to them for the rest of his life. It begins there, just a few short years out of leaving Catholicism. So Calvin is on his way to Germany, because that's the hotbed of the Reformation. Yes, yes. So on his way, uh, he spends the night in a little town called Geneva. Well, that's when he encounters a man by the name of William Farrell. Now, not Will Farrell, because that would be cool, but <laughs> William Farrell was a red-headed, fiery preacher who basically said, um, Calvin, you stay here to be our pastor, or God's going to kill you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Like, it is, it is God's will for you to be here, and if you leave, it'll be horrible for you. So, uh, basically a fear tactic, but Calvin stays. And so Calvin um, is pastor of Geneva for several years, and begins instituting several different reforms. Uh, Geneva had left the Catholic Church, just voted, so they are adopting the Protestant views. And so Calvin uh, is their pastor. He preaches there literally every day, twice on Sunday. Hour-long sermons, uh, no notes, oh, man. and uh, not a very charismatic guy. So he's there, and he begins instituting um, reforms, like I said, among those being the idea of church discipline. So not everybody, for example, should be taking the Lord's table. If you're living a sinful life, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, that didn't go over very well with a lot of people in Geneva who were living sinful lives, including some of the town leaders. And eventually Calvin stopped giving out communion to them, saying, no, you can't. Well, they kicked him out of Geneva. So uh, for three years, he does move to uh, southern Germany. Uh, where was southern Germany, western Germany? Anyway, it's a Germany south. And after a couple of years, uh, everything falls apart in Geneva. They beg him to come back. And so three years later, he comes back and begins preaching exactly the same text he left off at uh, before he left. So eventually he'll die there in Geneva. Um, he was a sickly man, uh, very skinny, sick, uh, had no children of his own. He did marry a widow who had children of her, uh, hers. Um, but really, what we know is Calvinism doesn't formulate until after he dies. After he dies, uh, Theodore Beza basically takes over for him. You guys bored yet? No. No? Okay. So it's, it's not like the class where you're like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm young. But it's like brand new class, you know? Yeah. All right, so Beza picks up where Calvin leaves off. Beza has a student by the name of Jacob Arminius. And Arminius doesn't really like everything that he's hearing. And so Arminius begins to kind of his own little protest. And his followers are known as the Remonstrants. And the Remonstrants have basically five areas of disagreement. Calvin. We know them today as the five points of Calvinism. So John Calvin never came up with Calvinism, uh, but it was actually Arminius and his followers. And so we have uh, a big church council. Um, 
the name of which for some reason is escaping me. Um, it's an end of Dort. Dort, thank you. Good job. Good job, Jim. Thank Extra you. credit, thank you. So at the Synod of Dort, they sit down and basically uh, hammer out um, what we know as Calvinism today. So that's a brief overview of the history of Calvin and Calvinism. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, so uh, now we're going to talk about those five points. So uh, those five points are uh, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, like that joke earlier, and perseverance of the saints. Or the acronym TULIP. Yes, TULIP. And then, um, so, Cameron, why don't you read the uh, total depravity? Yeah. Total depravity, the state of man before salvation, our rebellion and sinful. Sinfulness. Being sinful. We are we're unable to submit to God or affirm ourselves. In, uh, Sorry, Chandler's handwriting me. Yeah. My, my handwriting is bad. Trust me, it is really bad. I have to read <laughs> it is bad. Well, it's either terrible. way, we are total deserving of God's punishment in eternal punishment. Yes. Because we are completely dead in sin. Mm -hmm. So and all then, of our all of our being, I'm just going to insert myself. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of our being is affected by sin. It doesn't mean that we're as bad as we possibly could be. Because even you, Chandler, might have something good about you. <laughs> uh, we haven't found yeah. it yet. But you're not as bad as you could be. But it does mean that sin has affected every fiber of our being. Every part of our lives has been affected by sin. Just because Chan's not going out murdering, murdering people at night doesn't mean that he's not totally deprived right. of sin before he becomes a Christian. Doesn't mean I haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a solitary positive. Alright. Should we talk about. Unconditional election now? Unconditional election. Sure. Next. Alright. Chandler's gonna go ahead and so, read it. So, I'm gonna read my own handwriting, assuming I can read it. Uh, so, we are saved through God's choosing. Uh, there's there's nothing we can do on our own to deserve eternal life. So, uh, election happens before our faith, not because of our faith. Before we were born, uh, God chose us uh, to be Christians. And that's important because a lot of people think that election merely is God looking through the corridors of time and seeing, oh, that person's going to choose me, so I choose them, which to me doesn't even make sense. Um, but no, God doesn't look at foreseen faith, but God makes a choice before you have faith or not, I'm going to choose him. Yeah, it's usually, most people, like, because of our sinful nature, we have a desire to, to seem like we're the ones in control, and so I think that's where, where the opposite comes from, where people want to be like, nah, I think I'd rather choose God and then Him choose me back. But it's God choosing us before time. And then I have us, I should have a star next to at least one verse in every, um, all of them. But for some reason, I only have a star by Ephesians 1 3 through 6 uh, from uh, Unconditional Election. So I can't it down. Unless one of us knows it. I can't go all of it, but it's, it's the idea that God, before the foundation of the world, uh, chose who would be in Him uh, by the pleasure of His will, which is a kind of paradox. Here, we'll put it, put a little verse at the top. Part. Yes, we will do that for the other. Wait, uh, the top corner is it? Like, is it here? 
or something. Right over Mr. Thompson's face. Yeah, actually, yeah. right, right yeah. over, right over yeah. his head. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Um, he predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved. So for total depravity, I'll, I'll also put, uh, there's also going to be a verse down there, uh, as you've probably already seen, because you're watching this not as we are thinking of it. So, <laughs> you've already seen that verse. Wow. <laughs> um, this so, is professionalism, guys. This is very yeah, professional. We'll always have jump cuts. Yep, we don't start thinking, thinking of these things until we're actually doing it. So. <laughs> uh, just the like their test and their work. They don't really yeah. put much yeah. effort into it ahead of time. Yeah. Like studying, okay. just... See how it turns we out. Just, we just pray before the test. It kind of shuts my brain out of hope. It would have a bet. God lets me fire off the neurons that I need to fire off. Right? I'm not smart enough to think of what he said, so. Yeah. It's kind of So, the next letter uh, L, limited atonement. Dun dun. The work of the Son in salvation. Christ's death was for uh, the redemption of a particular people. It was sufficient for the entire world, but it was efficient. For those who whom God had already chosen, so. which is pretty controversial. The idea that God did not die for him, mm -hmm. but God died for those who He has already elected. Yeah. And a lot of people, like when they're fighting that, they bring up John three sixteen, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have an everlasting life. So a lot I of people that. think that <laughs> that 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 completely destroys everything I believe. Yeah, so a lot of people think that that's like literally everyone, like any, everyone and anyone who, um, who is, uh, who, like, is brought the gospel, like they can choose on their own, but that's really not uh, reality. Why not? Uh, because God, obviously, uh, God's according to according to Ephesians one th uh, three through six, God chooses us uh, before we're born. But God loved the world. God loves the world, but God loved the world. Not everyone in the world. God loved all of his creation. This doesn't make sense, does it? God loved his creation. My answer. Okay, so the word world <laughs> in the Greek is the word cosmos. Right. And we get the word uh, cosmetics from that. Now, you probably notice that Chandler doesn't have any makeup on. Right. Though he needs it. Um, right. Cosmetics is the idea of an orderly arrangement. That's what the word cosmos. So we're talking about not necessarily people of the world, but the world as an organized rebellion against God. And so uh, you think about the word world. To fit the Armenian definition, world always has to mean everybody who ever lived and ever would. Well, how often do we use that word world to mean that? I'd say very rarely. Like if I talk about World War II, you guys know World War II, which mm -hmm. Even in my history class, we get the World War II. Right. Maybe not so much last year. But um, <laughs> World War II. Uh, Cameron, do you remember fighting in World War II? Fighting in World War II? No. But world means world. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Everyone who ever lives in fight world. World. Yeah. Well, even then, we mean World War II. We don't mean everyone who ever lived. George Washington didn't fight World War II. Cameron Donald didn't fight World War II. 
Um, and we don't mean everyone who lived at that moment either. Not even every country on the earth was involved, but it was a global aspect in, in the sense that it took place um, not just in one part of the world, but throughout the world. And I, I look at verses like, um, how else is John used the word world? Well, we look at uh, in John, excuse me, Revelation 5, uh, Revelation 5, 9, where we see the th around the throne of God, uh, worshippers from every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. Meaning not everybody in the world, but people throughout the world. In 1 John 2, 2, uh, John says that he's the propitiation for our sins, but not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Meaning this is not just a Jerusalem-based religion anymore. This isn't just for the, the entirety of the Old Testament. If you wanted to come to God, you came through Israel. Well, now, um, thanks to the death of Christ in, um, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. Um, the book is uh, uh, Ephesians 2, uh, or Galatians 2. Um, but the idea that uh, this is not just about Jew and Gentile anymore, but you are all come together as one, the, the wall that divided us is now uh, taken away. Took it. Uh, you look at uh, Romans 8, 9, 10, 11. It's that whole idea that this is a global thing now, not just a local centralized Israelite. And so, yeah, God's love the world, meaning people throughout the world, uh, a vision to the Gentiles. Makes a lot more sense than what I said. Yeah. Uh, so the next, the next letter, uh, I, irresistible grace. So uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. That is, irresistible grace is the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. There's a period there. <laughs> God has elected to a particular people uh, to be the recipients of Christ's atoning word. These people are drawn to Christ by by grace. That is irresistible. <clears throat> when God calls man, uh, when God calls, man responds. This teaching does not mean that God saves men against their will. Rather, God changes the heart of rebellious unbelievers so that He now desires to repent and be saved. That is from GodQuestions.org. Look that up. The decent ones. Yes, I do actually. John 6.44. I don't know it. Bold passage is very good. This is um, Jesus talking about um, his, his sheep. And um, this is passage. Okay. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Six forty-four. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him, yeah. and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah, no one can come to the Father unless he draws him, yeah. um, which is a word that's also used. <coughs> excuse me, COVID. Um, no, not really. Uh, used in Greek literature to talk about uh, like drawing water from a well. So it's not just got idea of God trying to woo someone. 
or begging him, but it, it's, it, it's a compelling idea. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that man can't resist the will of God, for certainly um, man does. In fact, uh, even those who are saved may have rejected Christ time and time and time again before finally um, accepting uh, that. And so uh, what, that, what this is saying is at some point the elect will be the elect. God will change the heart, take that heart of uh, stone and change it into a heart of flesh. Okay. So the next one, or the last one, but not least one. Right. Perseverance Worship. of the saints. Or uh, as some people like to say, preservation of the saints. No. But that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> um, so. Two different things. Right. Right. The state of man after salvation. Uh, the people that God has elected uh, through the Holy Spirit are going to persevere in vain. So what this in doesn't say words, is preservation. It's not just a once saved, always saved. It's not like... Uh, you signed a contract. Aha! Now we've got you. Now you can't go back. Now you can do anything. I'm still going to have um, No, this is saying that those who uh, God draws to himself will continue in that relationship with God till the end. doesn't mean you're not going to backslide. doesn't mean there'll be a few steps back. But the general trajectory, you are going to remain in the faith. Right. Because yeah. God keeps you. It's like the insurance chart of a good building. Like a good business. Might have some drops, some ups. But Still going up all the way, right. unless they crash, of course. But that won't happen to you because of the perseverance of the saints. Yes. So the verse we have for this one is First Corinthians fifteen one through two. First Corinthians fifteen one through two. First Corinthians fifteen one through two. First Corinthians. Direction of Christ. Okay. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Well, the idea here is the idea of you're, you're standing in the faith. Yeah. But the, also the idea of you are being saved. saved. Being. You're in the process. of all that sanctification. sanctification. Uh, if you guys want to look up something really funny on YouTube, um, there's a preacher by the name of Nathan Rager. Nathan, Nathan Rager. 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 Uh, you can look at this on, uh, I forget. There's this cool little um, Twitter uh, account that really bad, but it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it takes all these horrible, pre all these horrible preaching. And so anyway, this guy Nathan Ranger is a pastor of like five people in uh, Florida, and <laughs> he takes this this Bible. It was an NIV, but it's that translation that we are being saved. Being saved? No, you're either saved or you're not saved. He threw this Bible across the room. Said, that's a perversion of the Word of God. That, that's literally what what is being said. There. The idea that you are in the process of being saved in the, in the sense of God is sanctifying you, changing you from the inside out until one day we stand before the Father, spotless and without wrinkle, knowing that God has done His work. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like we have one question left. Let's discuss for a second. I am under the belief, on my own volition, uh, that... Uh, I don't want to call myself a Calvinist, really. Um, even though I agree, definitely agree with these with these five points, um, but um, I call myself a Christian because Christ saved us. Um, I don't want to call myself a Calvinist because then um, I'll be like 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 following uh, John Calvin. I follow Christ. 
Um, so, um, what do you think about that? I, it's for me, it depends on the crowd. I'm, if I'm talking with an unsafe person, I'm not talking about Calvinism. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about um, John Calvin or whoever. Um, even in some groups of Christians, it may be misleading um, because there are a lot of false views about Calvin. In fact, we were talking about, about Michael Cervantes and uh, his, in, in, his involvement in uh, the execution there. Um, and, and Calvin, even in some reform circles, I wouldn't call myself a Calvinist because I don't subscribe to everything that John Calvin did. For example, I'm a Baptist. As a Baptist, I don't believe in uh, infant baptism. Calvin was a big proponent. Um, there's some other things that Calvin would uh, would preach that I would disagree with. Um, but <clears throat> for those who are familiar with five points of Calvinism, I have no problem associating myself with that. Um, so if you mean Calvinism just by these five points, I'm good with it. But um, it really depends on who I'm around. Typically, I don't use the title just because it cause confusion, but I'm not afraid of the title. It's like I don't want to call myself a Baptist or an evangelical or, or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, actually, I have another question. We're going to throw away those two questions that we were going to ask. Um, I think this is more important, even though it might not be. Uh, so, um, so a lot, I see a lot of people that call themselves Calvinists are like, they can. They tend to be like very arrogant. Yes. Uh, so, so like what? Yes. Yeah, see, if you are a Calvinist, uh, you shouldn't be arrogant. Of all people, you shouldn't be because you believe in total depravity, right. um, and you know that you are not worthy of any of this. But, but there does seem to be a tendency, and, and I, I've struggled with this myself. Um, we call it cage stage Calvinism. Cage stage. It's it's when you first become a Calvinist, and you're like. You're like mad at the world because it's like, why didn't I know this before? Why didn't someone show me this before? And it's like you just want you become a evangelist not for Christ but for Calvinism, and you want everyone to become this five point holding person, and uh, that's wrong. That's arrogance, and I, and I, I don't even call that sin. As a Calvinist, I should again, I not only do I believe in total depravity, but I practice it. It's the only Bible doctrine I carry out on a consistent basis. Um, I, I am a sinner. I am not worthy of God's love. I am not worthy of God's choosing. I am not worthy of anything but the fiery depths of hell. And uh, I should also mind that, you know, I before I became a Calvinist, I, I struggled with it for a long time. And it took me a long time to, to come to this knowledge. Um, and I have to give that opportunity to other people to struggle through it. Um, because we are sinners, we don't come to the truth easily. And so we got to give people a break and say, you know, this some of this stuff, if you've been raised a certain way, this goes against your grain. And this isn't going to come naturally. And I don't think it really should. This time. Um, so give other people a break. Um, don't be that way. But for some reason, yeah, a, a lot of people are. All right, okay. so... I think that's it. Um, another another source uh, that I got things from was uh, so Ali Stuckey. Uh, she has a lot of good podcasts. Uh, a certain podcast that she did on the five points of Calvinism. Uh, I took a lot of my notes from that. So we will put that in the description. Also, the beat 
YouTube channel. He's got some good stuff too. Yes, he does. Can I recommend a few things? Yes, yeah. you can. Absolutely. Upcoming in just a few weeks, there will be a um, about a 10-week series on Calvinism. Alright, so I'll cut off. Um, so, let's, let's do it again. So, a uh, 10-week series of Calvinism from the Basic Bible Podcast. Um, you can find that at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. We'll have several different guests on, and we'll have actually a point counterpoint. So we'll have someone arguing the Armenian view as well. Um, and some good books. Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul is a classic. It's what got me started down this road. I highly recommend it. Um, also, you can look at um, Five Points by John Piper, not John Calvin. John Piper. John Piper. Uh, it's a, as you can see, it's a really short little book. In fact, you guys could read this for your theology, your uh, systematic theology class. Dibs. I'm uh, just about to call Dibs. Well, this is my book, so I get my own. Uh, actually, I think there is one back there. So. Dibs. So uh, those are some good books to uh, dig a little deeper, so to speak. Okay. So I really hope the camera didn't come off already. Or we'll have to do this again. That would be very inconvenient. But. Um, <laughs> www.basicbiblepodcast.org Thanks for watching. God bless.